Our scripture is again from 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ has received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and virtue. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. In the closing words of the message last week, I ask the ever so important question, do you know God? Do you know God? Perhaps you haven't taken the opportunity to think much about that over these past few days. So may I ask that question again? Because this question may be the most important question that you and I will ever consider. Do you know God? If you believe that you know Him, then how well do you know Him? Because that is ever so important also. Do you just know about Him? Or do you know Him personally and intimately? As I've studied through and meditated on these words of Second Peter 1, I've sensed this strong unction from the Holy Spirit to pursue a deeper understanding of what these words mean. Because these words about knowing God are without question at the heart of all that we will ever think and say and do, both in our relationship with God and also in all that we're going to do in all those many pursuits of our daily life. And while I don't yet know why God has so impressed this understanding and this unction upon my heart, I find that I'm eagerly in full agreement with Him that it is in knowing Him and in knowing Jesus our Lord that every answer and every solution for life and godliness will be found. But how then do I, do you, pursue after and gain this precious knowledge of God that's spoken about here. That answer is given to us there in verse 19 and following through 21. Let me read those words for you of this first chapter of Second Peter. Verse 19. And we have the word of the prophets. Now, he's talking about the scriptures. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture, none of these Scriptures, not one word of them, no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
That's how these scriptures were written. None of the thoughts and ideas of any of the writers were included in these scriptures. Only the words of God. Here we are being instructed to go into these scriptures to the words, the prophecies that are given by God through the prophets. That's through Moses. He wrote the first five books. And then right on through David and then all of the other prophets that follow both in the Old and the New Testament. And we're told to read and study these scriptures carefully. To learn them. To know them. Because they are the sure and certain witness of who God is. He's said here to be more certain even than the eyewitness testimony that the Apostle Peter enjoyed as he witnessed the voice of God testifying about the authority and about the sonship of Jesus saying that this is my beloved Son, hear Him. Those are the words that just precede these that I just read. These scriptures, Peter is saying, are more certain than even an eyewitness testimony. Because all of these scriptures have all of the testimony of all of the prophets that God had given words to, to give to us. And then note here in these words that, or these words tell us, that these scriptures come to us directly from the unction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I want to emphasize that again for us. Verse 21, For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That is so important for you and me to understand because, again, as I've said to us so often, I was reading for you a little earlier just some words from the Apostle John. John did not think those words up. Those were given to him directly from the Holy Spirit. And that's what these scriptures are telling us here. Every minute detail of these scriptures, though they did flow through the minds of men, they were carefully written by the Holy Spirit. And then to make it all so much easier for you and me to comprehend, God then also sent His Holy Spirit to dwell in your heart, in my heart, in our souls, in our minds. And as we read then these words, the Holy Spirit takes each of these words, the Holy Spirit in me, the Holy Spirit in you, takes these words that are still in these words, the Holy Spirit speaking the words of the Holy Spirit right back to us, making them more understandable to us. How many times have you heard people say, Oh, I, I can't understand all those these and thous. That's the excuse that so many make. Could they understand all those these and thous? We might suggest to them, Well, get another translation besides the King James. But that's not their problem. Their problem is the Holy Spirit's not explaining it to them. That's what God wants to do. You and I receive Christ as our Savior. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We read these words that He originally wrote and He makes them understandable to us. Listen to this. This is John chapter 16. I read these words earlier for us in Sunday school. Beginning verse 12. 
I have much more to say to you, Jesus said to his disciples, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. The Holy Spirit who comes to live within you and me from the first moment that we're saved will take each word and He'll make all those things known to us. That's what these scriptures say. He'll make them known and clear and understandable to us. Listen also to what God tells us about the person and the role of the Holy Spirit regarding these scriptures. This is in 1 Corinthians 2, beginning in verse 7. I read these often to you because it's a portion of Scripture that I just dearly love. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. These are the academics. We have these folks out there today, people with... 20 years of schooling. You count their high school and their college and their masters and their doctorates and they'll read these words and they cannot understand them. And they sound so very foolish when they try to explain them. But you and I who have the Holy Spirit in us, we listen to them and we know that they are barely more than fools. That's what he's talking about here. He says, none of the rulers of this age... And by the way, the rulers that he's speaking about here, those are the scribes. The rulers of his day were called scribes. And they were called rulers. They were people who were so studied in the scriptures. They had doctorates in the scriptures. That's who he's talking about here. None of those understood this. If they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. This is my great desire any time that I stand here before you. We impart this in words, everything that I say, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. This is how you and I are able to clearly comprehend the incomprehensible. Otherwise, these truths of God are completely incomprehensible to us. The ordinary mental faculties that each of us have we are woefully incapable of learning and understanding and knowing the deeper things of God. But with God's Holy Spirit within us, as we read and we study these scriptures, He shines this special light 
Scripture speaks of him illumining, illuminating these words. He shines this special light upon the Scriptures. And it gives them meaning. Meaning that we cannot otherwise comprehend. And that's what God was speaking about here in verse 19. Look back at verse 19 that we read a moment ago. There in 1 Peter 1. And we have the words of the prophets, that's these scriptures, made more certain, more clear, and you will do well to pay attention to it, listen, as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. May I say this again? The Holy Spirit shines His special light of understanding on what would otherwise be incomprehensible words of truth. And then mysteriously, we are able to understand things that we never knew before. As we're told here in 1 Corinthians 2, no one knows the mind of God like His own Holy Spirit. And don't you love the simplicity that God uses in this explanation here in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, listen, this is in verse 11 in uh, 1 Corinthians 2. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So simple. Who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now here God gives us this simple example saying, when you want to know what you think about a matter, you don't go to someone else and ask them, what do I think about this matter? No one else can know what you think. You instead ask yourself what you think. And that's what God is saying here. He's saying that my spirit knows everything about me. He knows what I think about these matters. He knows everything about the Lord Jesus. And He will carefully explain everything exactly as it should be. And He will help you to understand it. And He will guide you into all truth. That's why I put my Holy Spirit in you. So that you could read these words and get to know me. Get to really know me. Now I do want to go back and look at some of the things that we looked at last week. Because I want it to remind us of these things over and over again. Especially having to do with this word knowledge. You recall that there in verse 2 where he speaks of the knowledge of God. That that is a very special kind of knowledge. A knowledge like no other. And it comes from this Greek word... Epinosis, E-P-I-G-N-O-S-I-S. The G is silent. But that knowledge of God that's spoken about there, the Greek word for it is epinosis. But then if you read on down in verses 5 and 6, we encounter another word that's also translated knowledge. But there, though it has a similar meaning, those words are very different. There the Greek word is gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. And it's the same word as before, except it does not have that E-P-I as the prefix. Those words were translated the same, but they have a significant difference in their meaning. In verses 5 and 6, the word for knowledge, G-N-O-S-I-S, has the more simple meaning of just learning. 
such as the kind of knowledge that we might gain from studying and training in science. But in verse 2, the word there for knowledge, epinosis, has this deeper and fuller meaning of full discernment. Not just learning about something, but it has a full discernment and, and an experiential knowledge. The kind of knowledge that's most always gained in the context of personal relationships with people. And again, you'd not use this word epinosis when you're talking about the knowledge that is required to solve a math problem or to know how to speak a foreign language. It's a misuse of that word. The more appropriate use of this word epinosis would be when speaking about knowing a person and not just knowing about them, but knowing them intimately, as with a wife or a husband or a good friend, someone that you would have a caring and loving relationship with. And that same kind of knowledge, that epinosis, would also be used to apply to these scriptures because these scriptures are words that reveal a person. They reveal God. They reveal His nature, His character. They reveal his plans and his purposes. They tell us all about him personally. That through our knowledge, that being epinosis, of these scriptures, God's Holy Spirit will give you and I a revealed knowledge of the very person of God, of who he is. Folks, I I do appreciate you bearing with me in these grammar lessons. Because they are tedious, but as you can see, it is so very important to our fuller understanding of their meaning. And I have one more word to add to this grammar lesson. As I read another of, our, of my favorite passages in these scriptures that has to do with knowing God and knowing Jesus personally, it's Philippians 3, 10, and 11. And there I encounter this word about knowing God and it's a different word. Let me read this, these two verses for us. I want to know Christ, he says in Philippians 3.10. I want to know Christ. I want to know Him. And the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now here again is this plea of the heart to know God, to know Christ. The Greek word, though, here is a similar word, but different. It's genesko, genosko, G-I-N-O-S-K-O. And it adds another impetus to the understanding. It adds the understanding of how there is an absoluteness, a completeness to our knowledge of Jesus. Not just about Him, but a deeper, more complete, more absolute knowledge and understanding of Him. But it also adds a second thing. It adds this strong sense of emotional feeling. I want to know Christ. It's an emotional feeling, a sense of caring and loving relationship with Him. And so our heart cries out to God, I want to know Christ. I want to know Him. I want to know the power of His resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of sharing with Him in His suffering." becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. The Holy Spirit will, along with giving me a full and complete sense of knowing Christ, 
will also put this strong sense of feeling, of love within my heart where I can love the Lord Jesus. That is such a precious gift. And that also reminded me of this first and greatest command that Jesus gave to someone who would come up and ask Him, what is the greatest command? He says, the first and greatest command is that you love Me. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now God can't say this any more clearly to us. Of all the important things that are required of you and me in this life, loving Him is by far the most important. And our love must not be of that kind that is of the frivolous nature that we tend to speak of daily as we use the word love. The love that we are to have for God is to be with every ounce of desire and purpose that we have within us, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's the kind of deep, intimate love that can only come when we know Him, when we fully know Him, the person of God, His nature, His character, and His plans and His purposes. Do you notice how the word know now is tied in with the word love? Part of the word, part of the understanding of knowing Christ, of knowing God, is to love Him with this depth of intimate love. I want to add one other remembrance to you. And it's one of my themes that I follow often from this pulpit. And that is, what he's doing is he's talking to you and me as sons and daughters. This intimacy is deeper. We're not just someone that he's inviting into his kingdom. He has adopted you and me as his sons. We are called sons of God. And that's so much more why this relationship aspect of knowing God is so much more important for us. I cannot emphasize that enough. Now, we're running out of time again. Lord willing, we'll spend more time on these thoughts next week. But before I close, let me ask. Now, considering these words that I gave a moment ago, I want to know Christ. I want to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing with in his sufferings with him. The question is, do you have the desire that's spoken of here? I want to know Christ. Do you have that want to? Do you want to know Christ? You have to be honest with yourself. You have to stop and say, do I really want to to know Christ, to want to love him? Now remember, you're talking to yourself. God's Holy Spirit knows Him. Your Spirit knows you. And so you have to say, do I really want to know Him? And maybe that's where you need to begin. That's where I need to begin. To go back to Him and say, Lord, put this desire within me where I would want to know You. Why do we have so many empty pews? It's because people do not want to come here. They do not want To know Christ. And they manifest that by not coming in here. Or coming into some church. Somewhere. You have to want to. I have to want to. I have to have this desire. I want to know Christ. So do you have this desire within your heart. To really know Christ. You are here. 
So that's the first step. So what about the next step? Do you really want to know Christ? Do you have the desire? May I strongly encourage you to consider that. And I will beseech the Holy Spirit that He would put that desire within your and my heart to want to know Him. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray.